Now, Matt, I'm going to just dive in here. I'm going to dive in here in Matthew chapter 19, but then I'm going to kind of rehearse a couple of points that we went over last week. If you weren't with us last week, you can go online, you can uh, view the video of uh, last week's message, and also we have audio out there, we have a podcast out there that we're hooking up, and as you can see that we're updating our mobile app, so it's all going to tie in, and it, it's, it's going to be a, a good thing to go back over the Word. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, right? You don't get it the first time. That's why I'm so glad I live in, in 2018 so we can go back over and uh, chew up what we heard over and over and over again to get all of the nourishment out of it. Matthew 19 is talking about the young rich ruler. And I'm going to be, begin in verse 16. The rich young ruler. Now behold, one came and said to Jesus, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Can you imagine this young man? I mean, he's, he's got it all. Ferrari, everything. You know, he probably has a, a stable with thoroughbreds in it. And, you know, you just have to get an image of this guy saying, uh, I've done all, he, he, in his heart, I've done all this stuff. There couldn't possibly be anything left for me to do to gain entrance into eternal life. And so he's approaching Jesus already supposing that he has his answer to his question. Do you see that? What, what, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. There's a lot in here, and we could go many different directions here. But let's stick with this man and his desire to spend eternal life in, in the kingdom of God. Verse 18, he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, uh, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Notice that Jesus was talking about the law. Jesus never came to, to, to push away the law. He came to fulfill the law, Amen. right? Amen. Uh, it, it, it's a good thing. We're, we're not down on the Ten Commandments. We believe that we, that we should walk in them and that they are principles. There's principles behind those Ten Commandments. So the young man said to him, all of these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Or actually, you can write in your margin there, right beside that phrase, he had great possessions. His great possessions had him. His great possessions had him. And this is what Jesus was identifying with with this discourse, with this man who sincerely wanted to be in the kingdom of heaven, but in his mind, he thought he had already gained entrance. He just wanted Jesus to confirm what he thought he already knew, right? But Jesus made a statement here, not only for the rich young ruler, but for us, that uh, it, it's, it's easy to get attached to your treasure. Now, you don't have to have uh, $2 million in the bank 
to be attached to your treasure. But this man recognized that uh, he, 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 this was the most difficult thing that he had ever heard. And Jesus wanted him to see how attached to his treasure that he was. And so that's why he was filled with sorrow and turned and walked away. He passed up an opportunity. Notice what Jesus did not say. Okay, give all your stuff away and become poor. No, Jesus said, give, you know, sell all your stuff and take that money and help the poor. Jesus wasn't, wasn't asking the man to become poor. But Jesus was giving him an opportunity to separate himself from his treasure and put his heart and his treasure in God. And that's what we've been talking about these past, these past two weeks here. And really, this whole series of first. How do we put God first in our life? How do we put God first uh, with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure? How, how do you do that? I mean, it sounds good. It's a worthy uh, desire, but how, how does that happen? How can we practically put God first in this area of our treasure? And so this rich young ruler who was consumed with getting money, getting money, getting money, did not understand what the po- he didn't understand the power of giving. And so he was attached to what he had. And he was so attached to what he had, that, that, that is all that he could ever hope for. Actually, in his mind, he was already in his little heaven, right? He was in his kingdom, and, and to him, his kingdom was greater than the kingdom of God. Because he, he chose to not do what Jesus told him to do. So, this, uh, you know, this story points out that the rich young man was, was one with his treasure, but it also says it's impossible to put God first if you're tied to money and the love of money. It's impossible to put God first when you're tied to money and the love of money. Right? And the Bible teaches us in the New Testament about the love of money. Now, people misquote that and they say, you know, money is the root of all evil. No, that's not what the Bible says. If you're going to quote the Bible, quote the Bible correctly. It says the love of money. Now, there's no qualifiers on that. You you don't have to have a million dollars, like I said before, in the bank to to fall in love with money. And we talked about last week about uh, worrying about your money. And Jesus over Matthew chapter 6 said, don't don't take any thought for your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, for your father knows that you need those things. So here's how you judge whether you have a degree of love for money. If you're worried about it. If you're worried. If you're worried about where the money's going to come from or how you're going to be sustained, there could be a degree of love for money. And, and, and here's how we get rid of that love for money. Put God first. Put God first. So last week we we talked about two points. Two points last week. Uh, I believe we still have some notes that were printed out from last week. But I encourage you, go back over what we said last week because we're going to tie into it. I'm going to mention those two points real quickly and then we're going to go into the two points from this week. But the first point was uh, the first treasure belongs to God. 
the first treasure belongs to God. God, <laughs> he, he made it that way. He made it that way. Back in Genesis, God called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil holy, which meant separated, which meant sanctified unto him for his use. And he told Adam and Eve, you can eat from every other tree in the garden, but this one tree, that's mine. Hands off, don't eat from that tree. And so they, uh, you know, curiosity just overtook them. And, of course, when they got close to the tree, the devil was there. Listen, when you get close to something that God said hands off, the devil's going to be there to tempt. That's why in Proverbs it tells those young men not to walk down the road where the prostitutes are. Right? Never think that I'm above that. I can just go down that road and... I can say no at the very last moment. No, 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 no. Don't even tempt yourself, right? So in the area of money, you know, realize that God has set up this principle of first, and he called the tithe holy. He's called the tithe sanctified and set apart to himself. It belongs to him. That's why in the Bible it says to bring the tithe into the storehouse because it belongs to God right? It belongs to God. The tithe belongs to God. And, and this principle of first goes all the way back to Genesis with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we said last week, bringing the tithe back to God proves that it belongs to him and that you belong to him. Think about that. He's already ordained the tithe belongs to him. So if you want a part of his financial plan for your life, you need to belong to him as well. And you get connected to him and his financial plan for your life when you bring the tithe, right? The tithe is already sanctified. We have a choice. Either we can use it for holy things when we bring it to him and it's sanctified to him, or we can use that 10% to pay our bills and then it becomes unholy. It, 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 it brings the other 90% under the curse that's already on the earth. We talked about that last week. Go back and listen. But as we sanctify and bring the tithe to God, that t- first 10%, everybody say first, then the, the rest, the, 90, the, the 90% of the rest then becomes sanctified and brings the blessing of God on it. And removes and redeems and breaks the curse off of that rest, rest of that 90%. Point number two from last week. The first treasure is our statement of faith in God. It shows that we trust God. And we looked at the scripture back in Genesis where Abraham brought tithe to the priest Melchizedek. And so you have to understand that Abraham lived for 420 years before Moses was ever born. So the people that, that suppose that God put this thing called the tithe in the law, are, are, are wrong. They're, they're right because God did put the tithe in the law, but God instituted the tithe way before the law. Amen. That principle of the tithe, Abraham practiced it, and he was blessed, and he's the father of faith. And even in the New Testament, it calls us blessed with the blessings of Abraham. 
Because we follow our father of faith who tithed even before it was in the law. Do you see that? So this excuse of, well, I don't have to tithe because I'm not under the law, is, it doesn't have any foundation. It doesn't have any foundation. Because Abraham followed God by faith, and he tithed to God. Therefore, we make a statement of our faith to God and our trust in God by tithing and by giving him our first treasure, right? I actually had a nice guy tell me one time. He was very nice, very nice. He, he, he believed the Bible. Uh, I could tell that we, we, we uh, connected spiritually really quick. He, and actually, he was, he was trying to sell something to the church. So, um, you know, and, and I was buying what he was selling, and we were talking. We were having a great time. And he's like, you know, I'd like to come and visit your church. And I thought, well, that's great. It's a great place to visit. I mean, I, I even I hang out here. And... <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. And so I'd like, you know, I'd like to have you here. I mean, if, you, if you've got to be a part of a church somewhere, so yeah, come visit. He said, but I have to ask you one question. I said, what is that? You know, you always, as a pastor, you, you just, the, the one question, you know. He said, uh, do you believe that tithing is a part of the old covenant or part of the new covenant. And I could tell where he's coming from. I could tell it. I could tell it. I could tell it. And I just smiled. I said, listen. I said, you've come too late to try to convince me that tithing doesn't work. And uh, he, he said, but I would come to your church if I knew that you didn't believe that we were made to tithe. I said, you know, in fact, I'm not made to tithe. I get to tithe. God trusts me with his 10% that I'm going to bring it back to him, right? And it's a joy to me. I tithe because I love God, not because I'm, I'm afraid that, he, I'm, you know, that, that I'm robbing him, right? And so he was just kind of left in a stupor because he's convinced himself that he doesn't have to do anything to gain God's approval. And where that's the truth, you're not gaining God's approval. But listen, there's a thing called obedience. And God says, it's better to obey than sacrifice. And there's principles that he established, God established from the foundations of the earth, where if we obey them, just as 10%, people get all shook up over 10% of your finances. Guys, most people go out and blow 10% of their finances and don't think a thing about it. Waste 10% on things that they don't even need to buy things that they don't even need to impress people they don't even like. Right? But God says, if you give me the first, everybody say first, the first 10%, I'm, my blessing comes on the, the rest of that the 90% and it multiplies and bears fruit. And so that, that, that second point is we make our statement of faith when we bring God our tithe. Now, offerings over and above the tithe is our statement of love. We make a statement of faith bringing the tithe. We make a statement of love when we give offerings. It's over and above. Everybody say over and above. We serve a God. We serve a God that's over and above. 
his desire is, is to do exceedingly abundantly above anything. Above. Everybody say above. Above. God loves to do above things. Don't you love to do above things for your children? And, and they're like, wow, I didn't even ask for that. That's awesome. That's the heart of God. He seeks to do over and above things. And it's the heart of his children that seek to do over and above things because we love God. Not because we're under some mandate to give it up, give it up, or I'm going to curse you. No, no, no. There's a curse on the land. And how we come out from under that curse is when we obey God and we just do what he tells us to do. It's really that simple, right? So, point three, tying on to the two points from last week. The first treasure belongs in God's house. Belongs in God's house. We've covered how much the tithe is. We've covered who brings the tithe. We've covered how they bring the tithe by faith, we just said. But now we're going to cover where the tithe belongs. And this is controversial, somewhat controversial in the body of Christ. And uh, I must admit that it's somewhat controversial because there's been wrong teaching. And teaching not based on the word. And, you know, confusion comes from wrong teaching or no teaching. You know, when you're ignorant, it's just because you don't know any better. And, but when uh, people, people say on the TV, you know, you can tie to whoever you want to. And, and you can send it to your favorite missionary. You can send it to your favorite TV minister. Or you can split your tithe up and, and you can distribute it however you want. You can tithe to your family that lives in another state that's going through a rough time. And you can just tithe and, and just do whatever you want to. But no, if we have already established the fact that God called it holy and it belongs to him. And then there's a couple of scriptures I want to share with you. Turn, turn over to the first one in Exodus 23. These two scriptures, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every thing be established, right? That the, the, God says, the tithe is holy, it belongs to me, but then bring the tithe into a place. Bring the tithe into this place. Exodus twenty three nineteen, It says, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Right? Into the house. Well, in the Old Testament, and, and people will make this state, well, it, that's the Old Testament, Pastor. We don't live under the Old Testament. We're not under the Old Covenant. We're, no. But in the New Covenant, we see that the house of the Lord is the body of Christ. Just like we were experiencing before as Josh was talking about the body and the body parts, and we're all part of the body now because we belong to Jesus this building really means nothing. It's going to burn up with a fervent heat one day. So we don't worship the building. Thank God for the building because it keeps us uh, dry and, and a little bit warm today, right? We would have icicles running down our nose if it weren't for the building. Thank God for the building. We don't worship the building, but thank God that we have a place. But when we bring the tithe where it belongs, we can use the tithe to help us facilitate 
the gospel, taking care of the body of Christ and preaching the gospel, right? So the tithe belongs to the Lord, but the Lord then tells us where to bring it. He doesn't just leave it up to us. You know, people like to argue about that. Well, pastor, and I can't tell you how many times I've been asked that question. It's another question. Pastor, um, can I just uh, give my tithe wherever I choose? I say, well, you can if you want to disobey God. I mean, that's your choice. Show me a scripture that says you can just tithe wherever you want to. I've got two that will show you that tithing belongs to the local church. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes. We were over there last week. All the tithes. Not just half the tithes. Some of the tithes. You know, from the tithes from this section, bring it to the local church. And the tithes from this section over here, you send it overseas somewhere. No. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out of such a blessing that there will be not, not be room enough to receive it. Do you see the heart of God, the overflowing heart of God? He wants us to be overwhelmed with his goodness and his provision in our life. He does. He wants, he wants us to say, cut it off. It's so much. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> but that's the heart of God. If, and that will happen if we do things his way. If we bring the tithe where he tells us to bring the tithe. And he wants us to be connected to a local church. It is so evident from the word of God that he wants us to be connected in a local church, bearing fruit. And there's many reasons that we should be connected to a local church. I've listed a few there in your notes, and I'm going to go over those four. But, but here's, here's, here's some reasons, some reasons to be connected to a local church, because you're spiritually fed. Spiritually fed in a local church, you receive spiritual food and you receive spiritual strength. Number two, you, you're able to serve. Josh was doing an excellent job talking about serving. Serving. You have a gift. God's given you a gift or many gifts to use for the body of Christ, not just for the world. Not just for the world. How many people have we seen just in our day that we're living in that start off in the church, they have this wonderful voice, beautiful voice, and end up in the world mixed up, confused, and bringing shame to their roots because they're using their gift for the world instead of God. So the body of Christ is the place that God wants you to use your gift, talents, and abilities to serve. Not to gain greedy, filthy lucre. Right? So, spiritually fed. Number two is to serve. Number three, you need a local church so you can bring the tithe. Bring the tithe. Bring the tithe so you can support a local church financially. Amen. My mother-in-law, years ago, she was in between finding a church. She said, can I send you my tithe? I said, no, you need to find the local church. Yeah. I don't want your tithe. 
You need to find the local church. The longer you stay out of a local church, the easier it is to stay out of a local church. And so you need to find a place, get in it, and dig your roots deep so you can start producing fruit, right? If the Bible calls us trees of righteousness, in order to produce fruit, our roots have to be stable. You know, there's a period of time when you transplant a plant that it is just adjusting to the soil, right? Before it's able to produce the fruit. Sometimes today, people think that they're just going to uproot themselves and their family from a church, jump in another church, and then just begin to start producing fruit. And, And no, it doesn't happen that way. We need a local church so that we can bury our roots and, and, and grow our roots deep so that we can bear the most fruit. Your roots need to be deep and wide so that the tree can handle a lot of fruit. That's God's will for your life. This local church is a place that you can bring the tithe, that you can serve, and that you can be spiritually fed. And then the fourth place, the fourth thing, is it's a safe place. It's a place that if something goes wrong in your life and you suddenly find yourself not able to pay your rent or something of that nature, then you can come for temporary assistance. This benevolence, this idea of benevolence started hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. In fact, we see in the book of Acts where they came together. And a lot of people will say, you know, Pastor, I'm not under law. I'm a New Testament Christian. And so, you know, if you are such a New Testament Christian, Christian, (laughs) my uh, tongue's getting ahead of myself. But if you are such a New Testament Christian, then we would practice what they practice in the New Testament, right? We would sell everything bring it all together, and so then we would distribute it, right, as the Lord directs. So starting this week, we're going to take the title to your house. We'll take the title of your car. We're, if you're a New Te- anybody New Testament Christians, I think maybe we should just start with a tithe. How about you? You know, it's, it's giving everything. Well, we just sang about it, guys. We were surrendered. I surrender all. What does that mean, all? Is it just uh, what we feel comfortable surrendering? (laughs) Does this all mean all or all means all? And that includes your wallet, your finances, your... Right? So, um, you know, it's a place that you can come. It's a safe place. And listen, we've helped people. We have helped people since we started as a church. We've had a benevolence fund, and we've helped people. We've helped people in a, in a time of crisis. But you know, a lot of people, they, they, they are, they, let me just see how I can say this right. They, they don't have the confidence when they're going through a tough time because they haven't been tithing and they haven't been serving. See, here's a requirement that we have as a church and most churches have. If we're going to help you, you need to be a member. You need to faithfully tithe. And you need to serve. I mean, that's just responsibility. That's accountability. The church is is not set up to be a a sugar daddy where where we're just passing out $100 bills to everybody who has need, right? Right? 
So there's some qualifications. If you're one of us and you're part of the family and we know you, we know you, you're a member, and you serve, and you tithe. I mean, you're contributing, and you go through a hard time, and you lose your job, and they're about to tear, you know, take your house away or your car or whatever. Let's talk about this, and let's come together, and let's work through this. And, and listen, we're not, no church is in the business of, of giving people fish. We're in the business of teaching people how to fish, right? And so some, there, there's some accountability on the back end. And so we do help people in the way that God instructs us to. But the, tri- the church has never been uh, ordained as a socialistic government that's trying to provide for the whole world. You know, and people say, well, God helps everybody. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. If he does, then he's doing a bad job of it because two-thirds of the, the people on this earth are in abject poverty. We don't understand that because we live in a prosperous nation. How many of you have been to a third world nation and you understand the words that i'm saying are true people in the world don't live like us the poor people in america have devices and have big large screen tvs and have things that people in third world country will never have they can't even dream about them because some of them don't even know that they exist and so uh, god doesn't help everybody you may, uh, it got real quiet in here. Like, if God's a really good God, then why doesn't he help everybody? Because, listen, he has set up principles, and it doesn't matter where you live. These principles work in any country. These, these principles translate to any language. But uh, he helps those that put him first. God helps those that put him first. And there are countries that, that put other gods before God. There are other countries and other people that worship other gods before God, and they're doing things their own way, which brings a curse on your finances. And there's also a curse on the earth that we forget about. So the way that God has given us uh, opportunity to redeem our finances is through this first treasure. When we bring the tithe to Him, it brings His blessing on the 90% that he gives us to live with, right? And this is part of the gospel. You know, Jesus came preaching good news to the poor. He said to the poor, you don't have to be poor anymore. If you'll just do things my way, then the blessing of the Lord will come upon you. The first fruits of our increase, which is the tithe, belongs in the house of God and not just sending it wherever you want to. But you can do that with offerings. Anything above the tithe, anything above 10%. And I told you last week, I got a little personal. I shared some things that my wife and I now run right at 25%. We give. I mean, we tithe 10% and then 15% above that, we give. And listen, my heart is really, what I would love to do is live off of 10% and give 90%. I'm telling you... It is such a joy to say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? You know, people say, you know, I want to send my tithe to this particular minister because he feeds me. Well, if that's, if that's so, then okay, send it to him. Then when you get sick, call him on the phone if you can get a hold of him and ask him to come and help you. 
come visit you in the hospital, come over to your house, pray for you. When you have a financial emergency, ask him, them, that ministry to come pay your bills, get your electricity turned back on. And believe me, believe me, I am not against giving to other ministries. In fact, from our church, we give out 10% to other ministries. And me personally, I just told you that we give 15% over and above our tithe. We give to other ministries. But I refuse to give to somebody who's using money on their own, uh, 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 how do you say, lust, their own, uh, how do you say, to accumulate wealth, right? Selfishness. So it's your responsibility to find out if it's good ground or if it's not good good ground, right? Now, 4% of the church worldwide tithes. 4%. And I did some research and Within Lifeway Church, 30% of us tithe. And that's great. I mean, that's way above the average. But my question is, what about the other 60%? I'm sorry, 70%. Help me do math here. One plus one is, yes. My desire is that we, we, 100% of us get this. If 100% of us get this. And think about, think about. Now, I believe this is a thought that the Lord wants us to think about. What if everyone in the church tithed? We would have all that we need and more to build buildings, reach out to the community. To, no one would even have to ask for any uh, offerings, special offerings, building funds. I mean, it, it, there would be so much surplus, surplus, that God would, would use that. To reach the world, right? So our goal is everyone becoming uh, a tither. And then our last point today is first means first. First means first. I shared a little bit last week uh, about how the Lord challenged me to tithe. When I heard that message in a particular minister said, prove, the word prove, that's the only time that the Lord used the word prove. And my ears popped up and I said, I'm going to prove that what God says is true. And I tried it. But before that, there used to be a time in my life when I was first learning to walk by faith and put God first. And I had pretty much put God first in most areas of my life except my finances. And I find that that's generally one of the last areas that people will just really step over the line. Um, I would try to tithe, but always if, if I had anything left over at the end of the month. And I thought that uh, surely that if I read the Word every day and I prayed every day and I shared the gospel with as many people as I could when there was an open door, then God would surely bless my finances. But it wasn't happening. I believe uh, that my heart was right at that time and that I was sincere. But I was sincerely wrong. Do you know that you can be sincere (laughs) and at the same time be sincerely wrong? I've been there. And so I thought, you know, thought to myself, well, at least I'm giving something when I can. 
and I would have this self-talk with myself, and it, it made me feel better. But I knew deep down that God wasn't first in my finances. I mean, the consistency wasn't there. I would tithe, and I would see God's blessing, and then I would just slack off and, and revert back, you know. And uh, the devil had convinced me that, that, trying, that trying was good enough. And he would convince me that surely God understood that I have all these bills to pay, and I don't make that much money anyway, and the government takes blah, 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 so God's going to be all right with it. But let me just confess that I was buying the lie, and because I bought the lie, the enemy was stealing, killing, and destroying me. Even before I was married, this is what was going on in my life. Thank God for a wife that is tenacious. I mean, she is dogmatic. Every Sunday morning, you know, she says, the tithe check is already in your suit coat right there. And I'm even sitting down on the front row, and she says, it's right there. I'm like, yeah, I know it's right there. You told me this. This is the fifth time this morning you told me this right there. (laughs) I thank God. For, for someone that's strong in the areas, you know, sometimes that I'm weak in. But I'm telling you, dogmatic. All the men said, thank God for a wife that will remind you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so last scripture here, Genesis chapter 4. This, this, this is going to be an eye-opening revelation too. I'm telling you, you, you need help in your marriage. That's why God brought you together. Now, some of the things that God brought you together on, I'm just going to take two minutes. You guys will give me two minutes to, I'm already over time, but you'll give me two minutes to talk about marriage here, right? The things that frustrate you about each other are the weaknesses and strengths that God brought you together for. Because of those strengths and weaknesses, guys, ladies too. The things that frustrate you about your spouse are probably areas that you're weak in. Right? And vice versa. So come together in this area of finances. This, there, there's, there's, there's a few areas. Communication, sex, and money. Those three areas in a marriage are like a wildfire. So you need to learn how to move together in unity. That's why this Financial Peace University is so important. I mean, because you don't know what you don't know. But then when you come to this and gain some information and understanding about how important this is, they call it, that's why they call it financial peace. <laughs> peace. It produces peace. And when you have your finances in order, I mean, you may be $20,000 in debt, but I'm telling you, when you go through this and you line it out and you get it organized and you start attacking that debt and paying it off, there's momentum and there's strength and there's confidence. When you start tithing, you can go before the Lord and say, Father, I'm a tither and I'm a giver. Satan, back off of my finances in Jesus' name. The blood covers my finances. I mean, it gives you boldness and confidence. I'm telling you. That's good preaching. I mean, people are like, go on, Pastor, come on. I've already taken two minutes to talk about marriage, and now I'm way over. So let's go to the last scripture here. You guys are encouraging me too much here. Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. This is about Cain and Abel, guys. It goes way back to the first brothers in the Bible. The first brothers and how there was uh, enmity between the two. 
in Genesis chapter 4, in verse 3, it says, and in the process of time. Well, let's just back up to verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn. That word is extremely important. needs to be underlined in your Bible. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Now, if you stop right there, I want to ask you a really big question. Because God is such a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Why did Cain, I'm not asking you to answer this question, but think about this. Why did Cain just stop there and, like the rich young ruler, stopped, turned, and walked away? Why didn't Cain say, Lord, why are you not pleased with my offering? God would have told him. And Cain could have repented. The same way that Adam, when Adam was caught in his sin, he could have said, I was wrong and not blamed it on his wife and the woman not blamed it on the serpent. Right? But think about this. There was sin there. Right? And Abel's offering was from the firstborn of his sheep. Now that's significant. Because Cain just brought what he had. And that's where I was living. Well, Lord, I'll just give you my leftovers. And guys, we don't serve a God of leftovers. God doesn't give you his leftovers. He gave you the firstborn of many brethren. Jesus. The first sheep. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He gave you. And so it's nothing for God to require of us to bring our first fruits of our first increase. Amen. Amen. This is so, so, so important. First means first. And I know that's a simple phrase, but it's so powerful. It's not the second. It's not the third. It's not, it's not, okay, what you have left over at the end of the month. If you have left over, then give what you can to the Lord. No, Absolutely not. God is very precise. He's extremely precise. That's why this earth is still spinning on its axis. That's why the seasons are still the way they are. God is a God of precision. And he wants us to walk uprightly before him and do what he's asked us to do. So the division of humanity happened here in this first offering. And it separated the good from the evil. And Cain, listen, Cain became so angry over this that he killed his brother. And the difference, of this, the whole difference here was about the first, this first principle, first. So here's how we bring it into modern, modern day. Uh, you sit down, pay your bills, and you get paid on the first and the 15th. So let's say you sit down and pay your bills. You lay out your bills, and you've got your mortgage, you've got uh, Ford Credit, you've got Macy's, you've got this bill, that bill. You lay them all out, and you start paying your bills online, or uh, you may write a check. Um, those under 30 probably don't even know what a check is. 
it's like a piece of paper and you rip it off and you write some things on it and everybody does everything almost almost online today but uh, so you get all your you get all your bills paid and in the process of time and you look over what you have left and you say God this is what I have and I give it with a cheerful heart like Corinthians says, give it cheerfully. And, and I purpose to give it to you, so, but this is all I have, so I'll just give you what I have left over. And uh, God didn't give us his leftovers, right? He respects our first, but he cannot respect our leftovers. Listen, the truth is if you, tie, if you try to tithe after you pay all your bills, then you'll always be a little short. I was there. And being short has pressure. It comes with pressure. It comes with worry. It comes with a word called oppression. Being short is closely followed by a word called oppression. And that oppression will always weigh you down. And right now you may be wondering like I was, can I even do this? Can I even try? Uh, that's, that's why it's a faith thing. And it takes faith to believe. It takes faith to say, God, I'm, I'm putting you first. And even if I have to call the credit card company and say, hey, you know what? We're going to have to work out a deal here because I'm tithing and I'm choosing to put God first in my finances. So we need to make some arrangements and I will pay you when I can and how much I can. And let's work out an arrangement here. If you have to do that, listen, I've seen it over and over and over again. God's favor will open a way before you and cause your path to be bright and he'll shine his light on it and you'll have boldness and confidence to walk ahead and do what God's calling you to do with your finances. Amen? God cares about your heart. He doesn't want your heart to be attached to things. He doesn't want your treasure to be found on things of this earth. Listen, everything you see with your eyes on this earth is going to burn. It's going to break. Some things break really quick. Like, I'm amazed at how things, <laughs> brand new things break. And you're like, really, really? Do I have to send this back through Amazon? And then I'm famous for just buying something and not even checking the return policy. And then I end up with something broken. I can't even send it back to Amazon. So I'm learning. You guys pray for me. But... Things on this earth were not designed to make it to heaven. You cannot, you cannot carry anything that you've got. Your Ferrari, your Maserati, your helicopter, your airplanes, all of it is going to burn with a fervent heat. But aren't we glad we're, we're going to a place that there's eternal treasure and we all want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were obedient. You were obedient over the few. I'm going to make you ruler over much. So let's stand today. Thank you, Lord, that you trust us. God trusts you. He trusts you. Listen, guys, I want to say this one thing. Listen, listen very closely. The job you're working at right now, please do not despise where you're working and, and, and what you're doing right now in your life. You need to think about this. God trusts you 
where he's placed you. And you can bloom. You can produce fruit where you are. Don't buy the lie of the devil that you need to jump ship and go somewhere else in order to get better conditions and blah, 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 blah. Stay steady, listen to God, and move when he tells you to move. But you've got to know this first, that your job is not your source. And you're only going to know that your job is not your source when you make Jesus first in your finances. When you practice this principle of first and you bring the tithe wholly before God. Now, we've already, we've already passed the baskets today, but that doesn't mean that you can't give online or you go to the website and you can still give, right? And God, listen, God will redeem the time that we have wasted. I've seen it happen. It's happened in my life. God will redeem the time if we surrender all, just like we were singing this morning, surrender all. So that's, I'm going to lead us in this, in this confession and in this prayer that we're going to surrender all, even our finances. If Jesus is Lord of your life, then he's Lord of your finances, right? So let's do this this morning. Just, if you would, hold your hands out or hold your hands up or say this after me. Heavenly Father, I submit to you as my supply. And my source. You're El Shaddai. You're my provider. And I acknowledge you. And your word. I desire to bring the tithe into the storehouse like you've said. And so I present it to you full of faith. And I thank you that you're Lord of the tithe. That you watch over my finances to rebuke the devourer. Thank you, Father, for opening the windows of heaven and pouring us out a blessing that we cannot contain. Those are words from your word that I believe, that I speak, that I see in my life for 2018. You're first in my finances, and I surrender all to you in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for every one of us.